More ears, more eyes. More ears, more eyes. That's what they say. <laughs> more ears, more eyes. I'm full of thanks today. <laughs> you sure are. You sure are. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I am your host, Chris Savage. I am joined by Sylvie Lubau. We're back. We're back. We're back. Mid-Jan. Um, Where did the time go? Mid-Jan. That's what they say. <laughs> it's mid-Jan, baby. Let's go. <laughs> We're back. It's mid-Jan. <laughs> what are you talking too loud about in mid-Jan? Oh, wait. We have to introduce the guest. <laughs> oh, well, today <laughs> we have a great interview with Brian Corcoran, who is the CEO and founder at TuringFest, which is one of Europe's top tech conferences. Um, super excited to have Brian on. Really interesting conversation. Gets a little existential, gets a little heady. Definitely. Uh, about where conferences are going, how people hang out together, riff on some ideas. So this is a this is a fun one to do. It was super fun. What's guy you talking too loud though? You know, that's a good question. We do have some new talking too loud merch. Yes. Uh, you heard that right. Merch. Uh, these new hats. These new oh hats. Oh my god, they're the so hats. good. I'm very excited about these. They're just- They're amazing. Ebbets Field flannels. I mean, look at this. Look at I this. I cannot wait. They're comfortable. I cannot wait to get mine. Yes. So I'm very excited about this. We have to figure out what we're going to do with these. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have some, we have a bunch. <laughs> um, I've been wearing it around and uh, you know, seeing what kind of reactions I yeah, get. Yeah. Are, are people like kind of right. eyeing you up, eyeing you down? They're like, are you that guy who's like wearing that shirt of the band to the band show? Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, no, I mean, it's <laughs> they're like, that looks like a comfortable hat for people who talk loud and love listening to podcasts about getting excited about entrepreneurship, marketing, creative things. That's that's what I've heard mostly. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When I get mine, I'll let you know how it plays in Brooklyn. I oh, it's going to play. It's going to play. It's going to play big. It's going to play. It's going to play. What has you talking too loud, Sylvie? What has me talking too loud? I got COVID again, third time, and uh, third time's the charm. Yeah, I'm sorry. That sucks. I feel like I always talk about it on this show, but yeah. that's what has me talking too loud. How was it this time? This time, my brain fog was pretty bad. Not gonna lie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and maybe it has something to do with me having an autoimmune. Found that out, so that that's been interesting. Okay. I'm on a journey. Okay, I'm on a journey of learning. This is, you know, part talking to that with Chris Savage, part Sylvie's health learning journey. Um, Say that, and we're here to support fast. you in every I know. in everything you need. I feel like yeah. I can tell you. I can tell our listeners mm -hmm. too. It's riveting <laughs> for them. I'm sure. That's what we want is more content about the current state of Sylvie's health. Sylvie, what's happening with your health? What's happening? You tell me, man. You tell me. <laughs> Next episode, we'll see. All right. Let's save it for that. But first, uh, I think we should jump into this interview with Brian. Get ready to get heady. Get ready to hear about how to run a great conference, what works, what doesn't, and riff on some new ideas with us. Love it. Let's go. Brian, thank you for coming on the show. Good to see you again. You too. You too. Good to be here. So Sylvie, Brian and I were having a meeting the other day on Tuesday. Brian obviously runs Turing Fest, uh, which we'll talk about. And I'm, I'm speaking this year, which is exciting, oh, in June. surprise. I didn't know that. Yes. Got it. And we like really quickly went to the topic of what I'm going to talk about, which is, you know, a bunch about 
uh, Wistia changing and evolving and the buyback and a bunch of different things. And then we got into all this heady stuff about like, what are conferences now after COVID? And why do people want to get together? And what don't they want to do? And as we were having this conversation, it was like this incredible conversation. I was like, we have to stop talking. <laughs> we have to stop talking right now because this is exactly the type of thing that should be in Talking Too Loud. Like this 100%. is like one of those conversations, yeah. you know? Um, and so Brian, I'm really excited that you're here. I'm excited that we're going to talk about all of these kind of like topics. Um, but as you know, we have to start before we get into all of this. Yeah. We have to start with what has you talking too loud. So what, what's got you talking too loud these days? Well, I mean, it's kind of the stuff we, we started talking about the other day. Um, it's like, what do we all want with our lives these days? What um, a question. Beautiful I mean, question. You know, we, we, our work lives and our, our personal lives. And remember everybody a few years ago was talking about work-life balance. And then it yeah. all just, and I don't know. I don't know where we are now, but I'm, I'm, Thinking and talking about that with with lots of people. By the way, my my wife is always complaining that I talk too loud. So this is the perfect show. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I think like for a lot of us, like you can work where you live. And there's a lot of other people. I was in a leadership meeting the other day on Wednesday, and we were having this big conversation about this. And there's a few businesses that can only be done in person, and they were like yelling at us <laughs> as a joke. But they're just like. Like you guys are ruining everything. Like not everything can be remote. And so it's interesting, like what can be a person, what's remote. And I think we should just go right into like first, so people who don't know, like what is Turing Fest? And then let's talk about like what it means to be a conference today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh I think it means maybe something different to to what it meant a few years ago. But Turing Fest is a cross-functional event for startup builders. And what that means is we're trying to break down the silos. We're trying to connect people. Remember Nokia had that great, the best slogan ever, maybe connecting people. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I'm, I keep bugging our team to make like Turing Fest connecting people with, uh, with the Nokia typeface, but you know, that we might get in trouble for that. But that's it. We're trying to connect people. <laughs> we're trying to connect people to the best, the best thinking, the best uh, operators across tech and to each other. And, and also to like a fun experience. And that, that goes a little bit, I think, to some of the, to part of the whole idea of how things have changed. But yeah, we've got three tracks at Turing Fest, Build, Grow and Lead. Build is um, software engineering and product and things thereabouts like design and data. Grow is all things market facing. So everything from brand and positioning all the way through to marketing, sales, customer success, all of that, the revenue side. And then lead is, is the people bit. It's the leadership and strategy, it's retention and recruitment, it's operations, culture, um, scaling, all, I mean, frankly, the hardest bits. I mean, we all kind of think the product is hard and then we all think marketing is hard and revenue is hard, but getting a bunch of people aligned to do the thing together in the right way, that's maybe the hardest bit of all. So, so we try and bring those together. Um, and it's in, yeah, this June in Edinburgh, should have about 1,200 people, we think, this year. Um, and coming to see wonderful speakers like yourself. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very excited to be there. Um, and you and I, I mean, I've done it virtually and I was supposed to go in person, I think in 2020 and then COVID kind of blew that up. Yeah. But you started the conference in 2016, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And what led you to start it? Like, what was that like getting that off the ground? It was a slightly easier lift, uh, because my friend had actually started a predecessor event, um, 
So my uh, my very brief background is um, I'm I'm from Dublin. I grew up in Ireland, went to university there, and then moved to Barcelona and set up a marketing agency in Barcelona. Did that for a few years, had a great time. Barcelona is unsurprisingly a cool city to live in. Uh, and then sold that and met a, met a pal who'd sold his business as well. And we were both kind of at a loss as what to do. We thought we'd do a startup together. And we thought the UK might be a better or easier place. Barcelona now has become a real startup hub, but it, it really wasn't then. This is like 2008, nine. Mm. So we moved to Edinburgh uh, for a year. That was the plan. Still here, two kids, all that. Um, and had a startup called Stipso. It was a MarTech startup, which failed. Uh, but it, there were a bunch of companies that we looked at. We're like, those guys have got it going on. Those guys know what they're doing. We want to be like them. And, and Moz was one of them. Uh, mm. Unbounced was one of them. But Wistia was maybe the most prominent. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, 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 I hadn't like, heard this before. Yeah. So, so, um, so that was I'm it. blushing now. <laughs> no, but it, it's true. We used the product from 2013, 2012. Uh, wow. So long time customer, uh, first time caller, all that. But we, and, and and then my buddy Jamie had started a conference in Edinburgh to try and bring the ecosystem together, and it was it was really it was great, it was great fun, and it was in the Edinburgh Festival, and then he just had too much other things going on. The conference kind of went by the wayside. I was always bugging. I was like, dude, come on, there's something good here. This is a great city to do it in. We could do something really good, mm-hmm. have a lot of fun, connect people, have a nice business. But he, he was preoccupied with a million things um, and has gone on to be very successful in them. But when my startup failed, he called me up. He's like, so that conference thing, you want to you wanna do it? So we kicked it off in 2016. So we had a bit of, I guess, a brand to kind of work with a little bit and, and a little bit of know-how from him. I mean, really a little bit. <laughs> and we there was just, there was a lot of love from the community in Edinburgh and in, across Scotland and, and from London. So... That kicked it off, and we had a bunch of interesting speakers in year one, like Rand Fishkin and Will Reynolds. They were there, um, so yeah, it kind of kicked off, and it was a part-time thing, and then it became a full-time thing later on. Well, first of all, I have to say that's insane that Wistia was like influential in this. I it's kind of blowing my mind right now, and I, yeah. I, you know, thank you for saying that, and I, you know, it's that's very humbling because uh, I didn't expect you to say that, so I just <laughs> wanted to get that out there. Um, it's also it's interesting that like you know, there's a lot of conferences that are like. You know, in the U.S., it's like people do conferences in Vegas, they do conferences in San Francisco, they do conferences in New York, and then because it's like a lot of people are coming from the U.S., they like go and they go see their friends at night. They they're not necessarily a part of the event. Yeah. And I what I've heard about the in person Turing Fest is that very much like it's the community is very strong. Like you and I saw each other in person at Business of Software in uh, those September October, September, yeah. and people were talking about yeah Turing Fest like is so sick the the vibe is so cool and do you think that's part of it like the fact that it's like there aren't all these other tech things happening so like it causes the community to be stronger because it's an interesting thing yeah, for me yeah yeah I, I do think that's a big it's a big thing I mean there's different types of conferences and we've we've even started worrying about the word conference is that the wrong kind of word versus event versus experience would start getting into experience you're maybe going too far into a whole other realm but but we should go into that too we, like we, answer the question but that we, i need that's i know that's like a very interesting question yeah what is this now yeah 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 we're, we're all getting more um existential in our thinking perhaps but <laughs> like there's a lot of money in conferences at, at scale so they can it can be a really good business it can be you know you can make make a lot of money in it 
the companies that are in it, some of them are, are you know, massive stock market listed companies. The companies that buy them are very often PE that just want to keep the cash cow going. And those kind of conferences are not necessarily to be found in, in cities like Edinburgh. Um, they're mm. much more likely to be in Vegas or mm. uh, maybe London or, you know, big, big cities. And to my mind, the sort of thing we're doing, which is much more a community focused thing, it's got to be in what you could might describe as a secondary city where uh, it needs to be a city that people want to visit, but it also needs to be a place where there aren't a million other things going on and that the focus is 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 kept on. I mean, the, the, the thing that makes all these cool events work is that everybody stays overnight. That's the secret, yeah. you know, I, I think. if you, Once you've got people in, in, you know, where they're all prepared to go out together afterwards, they're going to... And it doesn't, you know, maybe used to evolve a lot more around alcohol and it probably does less so now. But, you know, go for dinner together, go for coffees, just hanging out or just like seeing... Like in Edinburgh, it's like there's literally a massive castle right there. <laughs> Well, what you said something to me the other day, like, so why do people go to conferences versus how do they get value? How do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's three things in in conferences um, that you got to you got to tick all the boxes. But the, there's one that's a big one. So first of all, it's like, what did you learn? You know, was it worth it from a professional professional development perspective? Was this a worthwhile use of time? Because I mean, we're we're all a bit more careful maybe of our time than we were or conscious at least. Um, so was you know was the content good? Did Chris Savage do a really good talk on stage at Turing Fest? You know, like yes, sure, yes, sure, he did. Sure, yes, yes, obviously, pressure. if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this later, I did. I'm sure. Okay, so if yeah, don't, don't worry about it. it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm gonna write the show if you don't. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and then the second one is who did I meet? And that you know, that's that's even more important um, because all, I mean, there's so much stuff online. There's so many things that you can learn from. The comfort of your own home yeah but meeting people in person obviously is not one of them and the third thing the bit that i really think is like the secret sauce is like how did i feel so when i think back on that because it's all about afterwards you're sort of remembered this is another interesting thing right the actual experience versus the remembered experience like when we think yes. back on our childhood and we think oh wasn't it great that time i went yeah. camping or you know but maybe when you were yeah. camping it was shit, but you know now you just remember <laughs> yeah. the good there was bits. a million mosquitoes yeah exactly yeah. so so yeah. for me, the big thing is like, how, how do people feel? And, and that's, you know, I think you're going to feel a lot better in a, in a city like Edinburgh than, uh, you know, some big massive conference center in the middle of nowhere. And how do you describe this to your kids? Like when you tell them what you do? <laughs> yeah, this is, <laughs> this came up last year on, um, cause I do the opening remarks and stuff at the conference. I keep them short cause I'm very conscious that people are there to see the stars rather than, uh, you know, the guy who's on stage once a year. Uh, but I, 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 my, the last two years, actually, things have come up for my kids. The one in, in 2021, or was it, it might've been 2019. Jesus, like who can remember what year is what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was, but one thing was about, yeah, cause we were doing a talk about, about the superpowers in tech or the, the Spider-Man thesis, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And it was a, a talk about ethics in tech. And I, I mentioned this thing that I have, that we kind of came up with family rules for the kids, three rules, um, be kind learn every day, have fun. And I, I just kind of said it on stage as a throwaway remark and loads of people commented on it afterwards. Like, oh, I love that. And I kind of thought about it a lot that it's not just a thing I said to my kids. It's kind of a thing that I, uh, I don't know if I was like to put my sort of ethics or beliefs or something down on paper, that, that, would, that would cover a lot of it. Um, but the thing from last year was learning parties. My kid's like, what do you, what do, you do dad? What you, like, my daughter's six, my son's three. What's your job? 
my wife is a gemstone dealer. You know, like the kids okay. see like an emerald. It's or like a, very. These are the stones. It's extremely. Yeah. It's tangible. Concrete. Yes. It's, it's uh, yeah, And it's, it's also. Awesome. They're like, oh my yeah. god, these yeah. are so cool. Yeah. My daughter's already yeah. obsessed with gemstones. Uh, but yeah, you know, conferences and stuff. It's, it's abstract and ethereal. And so yeah, this was the thing: learning parties. We bring people together. Yeah. For learning parties. Who doesn't love a um, learning party? Yeah. yeah. I I I love that so much. Especially because of what you said before, this idea of like, of course, you can learn a bunch of stuff online. Yep. You can, there's like unlimited content online, right? Yeah. And some of it's much better and some of it's not. You have to have a brand that you trust, I think, to cut through the noise and like go back to the same content over and over and stuff. But this idea of like bringing people together to learn and it's actually fun to do that. There's a lot in learning parties. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is. And maybe, maybe it has different connotations for different people, depending on how they feel about you know, their school or how that experience was for them. But for me, I mean, <clears throat> something I've seen at other events and we're trying to bring into our own is it's much less like, okay, keynote, 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 you know, just all of that. And it's much more about those, you know, taking the moments in between the, you know, what sometimes gets referred to as the hallway track, um, engineering serendipity and just, just giving people reasons to connect with each other. And, and, icebreakers as well you know people there's a lot of things that happen at events where people want to talk to each other but some people find that super easy and some people find it very difficult and you got to create the right environment to to kind of help that happen let's go a layer deeper so you're having you're hosting learning parties yeah and people come you know they fly into these learning parties they're so excited like it's so fun there's so much stuff they're going to learn and they're going to connect with people what have you learned about how to break down the barriers so that everyone can communicate ever like the quote hallway track like is valuable. People keep coming back because even the other day you're telling me like, all right, we're gonna do your talk and then no Q and A. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. No but you are going to have a you put, you're going to have a table where people can go and like, that's super different than what used to be. Yeah. So just like, how do you think about this stuff? How should people about think about this stuff? What is the modern way of doing this in, in a world where that is why people would get together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Q&A is an interesting one because, you know, if you're watching a YouTube video of whatever, Q&A is obviously not a component of it, or at least not for you if you're watching a recording. And so you would think maybe, oh, that's something to double down on in, in live events. And I think it is, but I think it's worth deconstructing what what you're trying to do. You're trying to create a conversation. If you think about it, when you finish a talk, 200 people in the room say, how many people actually put their hand up to ask a question? And who are those people? You know, yeah. And it's, sometimes it's like the people who talk the loudest, <laughs> get the most attention, et cetera. Um, or it's the same people. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like someone gets the confidence to ask a question. Yeah. Then they get an answer. And then they're like, oh my God, you're telling me I could just ask questions and get answers. <laughs> and then every talk, they have their list of questions. They just ask them. Yeah. And there's all these other people with questions who don't ask. Yeah. So I feel like, and it, there's a helpful part to that too. Like if you're on stage and you're like, does anyone care? <laughs> and then you look at the one person who's been asking questions and they raise their hand. They're like, I've got 10. You're like, oh, thank God. Like, And this is where we get back to icebreakers and a whole interesting thing in psychology about like fear of public speaking. I mean, you clearly don't have fear of public speaking or, or, or maybe you do and you just like force yourself through it. Uh, but some I, people, yeah, you know, I would say, do you, we were ever talked about this? Do I have a fear of public speaking? That's a good question. No, I never yeah, talked you? about this. I have, I have thoughts. What do you think Sylvie before I answer? No, I think maybe once you did, but it hasn't been like that for a long time. Correct. I used to, the first time I had to give a talk at a conference, 
I'm not kidding. I had like three months of like sleeping terribly, like wake up in the middle of the night worried about it. Yeah. And I gave this talk and it was at a startup conference in Boston. It was a room of like 200 people. I had never given a talk like that ever before. And I went 200 miles an hour. Mm. I was like, it was like the 10 things you need to do to scale to scale your sales and revenue. The most general talk you could ever give. And I'm like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. You know, I was just like going and I was like sweating and feeling terrible. And I watched the other room and was like, they told me to if I had 30 minutes. I did that in like, like five minutes. You know, it was like horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then the crazy thing that happened is like I had to give more talks. And I was like, all right, I have to get over my fear. I just have to do this more and more. And like maybe three years later, someone came up to me like, oh, I saw you at that one conference. And I did what you said and it worked. And I was like, wow, yeah. this is insane. Like I was so devastatingly nervous and yet the message like somehow broke through and it gave me the confidence like, wait, shouldn't I just focus on clarity? Like that, isn't that what's important is like the clearness of the message. Yeah. And maybe not everyone's going to do it, but like it, it is interesting. I'm sorry I'm going on this tangent, but no, I, I say it because, because people all the time will tell me like, oh, I bet you love public speaking and obviously I'm boisterous and have a podcast and I won't shut up and blah, 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 blah. But even for me, like that's where it started was like actually a fear of getting up there. Yeah. So. Of all the Turing Fest, like we've had, I don't know, 250, 270 speakers at Turing Fest over the years. Um, and the one who you might describe as the most kind of theatrical when they're on stage. Well, there's a few contenders for that, but one of them is, is <laughs> Ollie, you know, Ollie Gardner. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's from, yeah. Uh, formerly he's from Unbounce. Yeah. So yeah, Ollie Gardner on stage. I love him so much. Yeah, I, I, I love Ollie. He's, <laughs> he's a super super guy. Uh, Scottish people don't 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 know that he's adopted Canadian now, but he's he's from these parts. He's he's a super super guy, and he's a fantastic fantastic speaker. Like he's brilliant. He's yeah, he's got yeah. great content, but he's just the way he delivers it, the performance. He really understands that this is a performance. Yeah. And he's so, he seems so cocky and gregarious and outgoing when he's on stage. Yeah. You should see him in the green room before he goes on. I'm like, yeah. I'm trade secrets, yeah. but the guy's <laughs> yeah. a nervous wreck before he goes on. And then when he, and then when he's off stage, like for example, the Q and A stage that we used to do at Turing, he was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. So in front of 5,000 people, the bigger, the better. He's delighted, but like talking to 10 people, no. And so there's loads of interesting dynamics, but to, to loop back to the Q and A question and what we do there or do or don't do. The reason we stopped doing Q&A, we did it once and there was, we got this one guy, it's always a guy and it all, you know, it's not a question, but I'm just like, goes into yeah. like, oh, oh my God, you, that, should should that should be a t-shirt. That should be a t-shirt. It should. <laughs> and, it, and it's, or it's like, you know that bit in Wayne's world where he starts playing Stairway to Heaven and they point to the sign, they're not allowed to play Stairway to Heaven. We should have yeah, that yeah. like at the side of the room. Like, yeah. No, yeah. it's not a question. Don't do but, this. Yeah. But the person has the microphone and they've got everybody's attention. And of course, they go on too long and all that. And it's just a yeah. disaster. So that was one of the reasons we stopped doing it. Also, I think for the speaker, the speaker wants the feedback and wants, and it's terrible if the speaker goes, are there any questions? And nobody says anything, all that stuff, which, which you know, we have a pretty pretty good audience on that front. They, they're, they're pretty empathetic and they chip in. But the, the other bit is, you've kind of crafted your talk and there's an end point. There's a dramatic finale and you've delivered it. Yeah. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's leave it there. You know, let's not have just the Q and a let's have it, but let's have it in a different place. So we change, we move everybody out to a different room and we, in the next break, we do, we do round tables and we just have the speakers there. And if people, cause normally it's like in a room of a couple of hundred people, there's like five hands or 10 hands go up. So those people yeah. can go along, but also the other people who would 
be intimidated asking a question in front of yeah. hundreds of people, they'll go along. And they'll say, and they might not even say that much, but they're just they're kind of part of it. So there's little things like that that we're trying to do to sort of change change the dynamics a little bit. It's important to me that the speakers and the delegates get connected. So that's like a really interesting insight, right? Like this difference between how you should do Q and A so everyone can get involved, and people who wouldn't necessarily raise their hands could go and make it more comfortable. Like, what are the other things like that that you think like? you've learned across your experience of doing Turing Fest yeah. that are even more important in this world that we're in now? Yeah, I think one there's a big dynamic that shifted or, or maybe a realization of a dynamic that was always there that people go to conferences or people think they're going to conferences for the speakers, but often when they get there, the thing that really makes it memorable is the relationship with each other and the conversations with each other. Um, I, when we were talking the other day, I think you, you described it as the speakers are the, the marketing there's yeah. definitely a lot of truth in that. I mean, this you know, at, at Turing Fest, for example, we don't do big sort of, you know, big vision, blue sky, random, like just kind of high level strategic stuff. We do pretty tactical, practical, implementable things. Uh, we do things that people can take value from and implement in their businesses like the next week, potentially. But so the speakers create great value. But the bit that really, I think, makes it work at an event is when you connect with other people and you get to learn about what they're doing. And you and you just, you know, you have those random conversations, some of it's over coffee, some of it's while you're in a queue for, you know, to get a hot dog or whatever. Um, and so we're trying to curate a bit more of that. Um, there was a, th- a thing that Saster uh, started doing in their big event, but it's basically like a, an unconference within the conference where people just go, I know about you know video production. I know about uh, building sales teams. I know about no-code tools. And I want to talk about it. And if anybody wants, I'm going to be at this table for uh, you know two minutes, five past two, talking about this for 10 minutes, come along. And people giving these like little mini chats, you know, and it's, and it's just yeah. like, how do, you, how do you point these people to each other? How do you connect them? There's loads of stuff I want to do around... Uh, I'm reading Harry Potter with my daughter at the moment. So like the whole, the houses, you know, I don't know if, mm-hmm. I know if you've been down this road, but like the Gryffindors and Slytherins and all that kind of stuff. There's something in there about like conf- when you, when you arrive at a conference, you're in a team or a house, you know, and you don't know anyone else in it or, yeah. or you know a few, but mostly you don't. And then you guys have some kind of task or some sort of points that you've got to accumulate. I don't know. There's, <laughs> you could go too far as well, but <laughs> I think there's some fun to be had there. Well, I like the thinking. I, I like the thinking th- that like going back to like the learning party is like, well, how are you going to make the connections easier? How are you going to make it so that people are like present at the right things? Like what kind of challenges you can create? How can you make it so that people have the option? Like how involved do you want to be or not? Because one of the other things I feel like I've noticed, and I noticed this at Boss, but I've seen this at, you know, at other conferences, there's a lot of people sitting there with a laptop open. Yeah. And you'll look and some of them are just like coding. Yeah. They're just like working. Yeah. And it's kind of a wild thing to see. Like you're in a talk in live in a room and then someone's just doing other work. But I've realized that like that's that for some people, that's exactly what they want. Yeah. Because they're going to be there. They're going to be doing They're on top of the other stuff. They don't feel like they're like falling behind or something. And then there is that moment in a talk or there is that specific talk that just totally draws them in, in, in this incredible way. Um, or they're like, you see people taking insights from a talk and literally putting it directly into Slack and sharing with their team. Yeah. And it's like the, 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 like the connection of learning is real time for one person in the room and like 20 people for sure. who aren't. For sure. And, and you can see as well with, with 
you know, perhaps you do this, where speakers, particularly experienced speakers, they have a slide that they know that like, this is one of the slides you should take a picture of. And so they kind of, yeah. they're talking and they leave that slide up and they just kind of take a little step and everybody in the room, camera, and then those, <laughs> yeah. and those that slide yeah. is on Twitter or, you know, on Instagram yeah. or on Slack or whatever straight away. Uh, and I, I love that idea that you're connecting people in, in real time in that way. I mean, we in 2020, we did an online Turing Fest because, you know, that was all we could do. Yeah. Uh, so we had a bit of an experience of that. It was just interesting to see like with online events, I don't know, like everyone all of a sudden was, oh, online events are amazing and we're never going to go back to in-person and everything's free and it's all wonderful. And, you know, it's, I don't know, like online, I think you can do this, you can do cool stuff if it's short, like if it's one hour, it's a webinar, or it's like, you know, remember we used to call them webinars? It's just a short thing, but you can't hold people's attention for a whole day. You can't get that kind of buy-in. Um, it's a different yeah. thing now. It's like, I, I've, I mean, we launched a product in this space and... October, like a Wistia Live, right? And seeing how people are using it, people aren't saying like, we want to do a full day online yeah, event. It's too much. They're basically saying like, we want like a wildly engaging webinar that's like very video first, where there's a lot of real time questions with the speakers. Yeah. Do, do you know, uh, you ever hear of a thing called Can Academy? Uh, yeah. Like for, for teaching? Of course, uh, yeah. And it's yeah. this whole other... Um, it's this whole other premise that basically you do your schoolwork at home and you do your homework in class. Hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, I love, I, I, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, at least for us, the way we try to run meetings at Wistia is like, you get most of the information in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So like people send out videos in advance. Um, they send out the like written docs in advance. You had your comments in advance. And then we try to have the meeting be, hey, where are we misaligned or what do we need to dig deeper in on or where should we be collaborating on? We don't always get it right, but that is the intention. Yeah. I think a lot about that. Yeah. Oh, it's called, um, people call it flipping the classroom, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yes. how long are we, is it going to be before we see that in a conference, right? Where you, you buy your ticket to the conference and then a week before or a month before or whatever, you get access to the talks and you get the video of that, the talks I, ahead of time. And then you go to the conference and you know there's the speaker on stage but you've already yeah. seen them speak, and the the bit on stage is the discussion based around what they what they talk about. I just got chills when you said that. <laughs> I just got chills. I'm serious because I because I feel like that is so different as a concept. But there's a lot of people who would they would look at that and they'd watch that they'd sign up and pay and they'd watch the talks. You probably wouldn't have 100 percent of people show up in person or necessarily at the same time. But then the people who would show up and they're ready with real yeah. questions. Yeah that they've had a chance to process is very interesting. I mean, I could even see a world where you did that and you saw a talk and you're like, this is so sweet. I have to send some of the people on my team and you were going to send one person to conference and I send five yeah. because like they're all going to dig. I mean, it's a very cool idea. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's interesting. I mean, one of, one of the constraints on event innovation is the business model. Like we saw through, through yeah. COVID where it's like all of a sudden everything flipped to being online and it was novel and it was interesting. And there was, and, and people who didn't have access to going to conferences before did. You know, there was the, yep. the geographical barriers were removed, the economic barriers were removed. But no, so far, I don't think anyone's come up with a kind of a viable business model where, because all of a sudden tickets were just free. A thing that used to be 500 bucks was now free. And it was like, well, you don't yeah. have to rent the venue or whatever, which is all true, but it's not like there are no costs. There are lower costs, but there's also, you know, businesses are in business for the margin as much as covering the costs. And there's still a weird disparity in that space around how events could work. But I love the idea of 
you know, give people the content in advance and then bring them together for the discussion. I think it would be a small groups thing. And I think you would probably need a venue that yeah. was, you, you, it would need to be a, a special kind of thing. Like, you know, you're all in a, in a big like mountain lodge up in the highlands in Scotland or something. It's, it's, it's a very interesting concept. It's like, I've never seen that, but you understand what it is. And it also feels like a thing of like, uh, by the way, I love that neither of us was planning on getting to this at all. But like, and, and that we're like working this out in real time. I absolutely love that. Yeah. But like the, onboarding. Um, yeah. But like, it is. It's kind of like, almost like you could charge for the content and then also be like, all right, this is you know in one month or some period of time you can come, and it's like an additional thing. And if you come in, these people will be there ready to talk about the stuff, mm-hmm. but like with you, like not like. You know, it's almost like the 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 roundtable is the majority of the interactions. Yeah, yeah. And so then you could work on specific problems with people. Like they could come in with like, this is my data and my business. This is what we're trying to do. This is how I'm trying to think through it. Instead of that feeling of being an attendee and you're like, oh man, like we have this challenge, but like what question should I ask that's like actually going to get me the one answer? And you ask, like, ah, oh, I didn't like do it yeah. versus like, what about this or that? Or can I show you this? And you're like, work it. It's a very interesting idea. It's kind yeah. of like a, a book club where you invite the author to the actual discussion. And then you're yeah. like, yes. it's so much richer because you've had the time to process. Yeah. You've had the time yeah. to maybe do a little other research. And then it's just like, it all comes together. I love the idea. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. What will we call this? What will we patent this as? If you take it down the route of like you're working on business problems with these speakers, you know, then you're into sort of a a whiteboarding consulting type. I don't know. It's yeah, there's something in here. We sh- we need to talk to April Dunford about this and like get the positioning. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, we've we've taken a lot of your time. I love this conversation. I have like one other question I, I wrote down in advance. I want to make sure I ask you, which is, you know, you've been doing this for seven years this is the seventh year right is it yeah um and you talked about having your own startup that failed you've seen tons of companies come through turing fest as delegates and as speakers a lot of them have succeeded but a lot of them have failed i'm wondering like when you think about today like after seeing all these companies come through seeing all these talks like what do you think makes a successful startup <laughs> Yeah, that's the no pressure. Just, just, <laughs> just really. Just if you can make it like last question. Just give me one sentence. That would be just a casual question. Cool, man. This is this is alchemy. That's by the way what we should call the the event. Alchemy. Mm. Alchemy. Yeah. Um, good. Speed, I suppose, is really the biggest thing. It feels like because when you're when you're at the beginning, you have an idea. Like everyone's got an idea, but then you've just got to make a thing occur, and it's just. I think it's just speed of execution of I'm trying and trying and trying. Because at the start, when you don't have the cost of failure, when you have no, co- like for Wistia now, if you're like, let's try a new thing and it breaks everything for all your customers, obviously that will <laughs> yeah. be a problem. But at the very beginning, you can just kind of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And it just, it feels like the 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 one advantage that startups have over the over the incumbents and, you know, kind of against the world is is speed. Do you think ideas people are fast, like naturally? Uh, my uh, my colleague Tanya definitely would say no about me (laughs) Um, different people get their energy for ideas from different things like for me I I live by the beach um, outside of Edinburgh like I go walking on the beach a lot to kind of 
you know, just to disconnect, but also to think and to, and that's a slow process that like doesn't play well with deadlines and, and, and velocity, but the directness, I think as well, I, I had lunch with a, a guy yesterday who's an engineer at, uh, at a top software company in the world. <laughs> I probably won't say which, but he, he was just talking about bluntness he, and he was talking about, he's, he's thinking of moving on and um, joining another team. And the two people that he's thinking of working with both have high empathy and high directness. And he's like, it's perfect. <laughs> That's what you need, right? Yeah. Because So you get that like very direct, fast communication. Everyone knows what they mean. Nobody gets offended, which is hard and, and harder with the, when you get more people. He also is leaving because he wants to just work with a very small team. So that's, I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear about another day, maybe about the Wistia inflection point when you went from being, you know, that bit where you get, it gets so big and everyone's like, ah, oh, it used to be better when it was just 10 or 20 people or whatever. And now it's, you know, now you flipped over into actually being a business that makes money. And then some people are like, ah, oh, I don't like this part. I preferred it when it was small. Yeah. I feel like we've had a lot of those inflection points. And one of my learnings has been like, you know, what it takes to grow and scale is different, right? At different times. And there's some people who enjoy the like pirate mode, if you want to call that, where it's just like searching and going absolutely wild. And then there's people who really enjoy the like systems world mm. of like, just get the systems really, really good. It was funny. I was talking to someone who used to work at Wistia the other day. Um, and like, I went to this new company. It's way bigger than Wistia. I assumed they would have way more process. And I was excited. And it's like, no, no, I've gone back in time. Yeah. Like you guys are crazy organized. And I, I try to think about like when we were probably five or six years in is the moment we like broke through. This is like 2011, 2012. Suddenly we were shipping product quickly and it was the right product and we were marketing product really well and it was the right marketing. And it all just kind of like started to snowball and go. And it's been a search to figure out how to build the systems and process to get us to have that feeling. Yeah. And I would say I have that feeling now. And it's like really like every day I see new things go out the door. I'm so excited. But if you showed me how we do it today versus how we did it back then, I would never have believed it. Yeah. You know, like because it's actually the process, the people, the communications, the goals, like all this stuff is set up basically. So you end up with a small team that hopefully feels like they can tackle anything themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. There's a uh, there's a beautiful thing in the in the Wistia journey about self-confidence, I think. Phil Nottingham did a talk at Turing a few years ago where he showed the ad, the Wistia ads from the early days. Yeah. <laughs> Man, they were terrible. <laughs> when you, when you guys were like yeah. being, hey, we're a serious company. And then you were and yeah. then you were like, actually no, we're like we're a small company. We're figuring this out. But you know, we're smart, yeah. we're fast, we're fun, we're creative. And then you, you tapped into yeah. and that's I think when your brand just flipped from being like you were, I mean, you were trying to be this generic thing, right? And then you were like, wait, wait yeah. a minute, I don't want to be that. <laughs> and I always learned that lesson. I mean, it's funny because we learned that lesson and it's basically, we saw that as like, be human, be authentic. Yeah. So yeah, the early stuff was terrible. And I actually hope that we look at some of the stuff we're doing now in five or 10 years and we think it's terrible. That would be a good sign of our progress, yeah. right? Like it, that should be what's happening. The early stuff is terrible for, for almost everyone, I think though, you know, and it's, yes. it's all, and then it becomes part of the, it's part of like, can you get to the good stuff if you didn't experience the mistakes early on? It, I mean, That's, I, th- I feel now like we're a back lot to of the that, existentialism. Yeah, <laughs> we are, and, and 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 back to back to learning parties and connecting with people and and 
I mean, that, that's the, the whole ethos of cheering for, for, for the speakers is teaching. You know, nobody's there to sell as a speaker. Yeah. You know, we have an expo. People in the expo are there to sell. Fair enough. That's what, that's, that's what that is. But everyone is on stage to teach and to share. And, and not, we really try to not make it about aggrandizing, like, hey, we did this thing, and by the way, we're pretty amazing. Like, almost, you know, you'll much more likely get someone on stage going, here are the terrible mistakes we made. So so I'll tell you about them so you don't have to make them. And in general, I feel like the tech is pretty good at that. Not, not always, but I think there are a lot of people in the industry who really want to help people to avoid the mistakes they've made. Well, look, I think that's a great place to end. A great pitch for why everyone should go to Turing Fest. Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people connect with you? And... How should they come to the conference if they want to come? Sure. So uh, I'm on. I'm. I'm still on Twitter for now. It feels like a weird place these days, but I'm still there. Uh, at Brian C thirteen one three. Um, Brian at Turingfest is my email. Um, and then for anyone who who wants to come to the conference, uh, there is a discount code, of course, for listeners of the pod, which is Wistia twenty three. So if you use that at checkout, you get hey you get a a pretty amazing discount probably i can't remember how much but you know good let's call it it's gonna be it's an incredible discount we're sure of that <laughs> yeah. uh brian thank you for being willing to do this thank you for being willing to like open up the conversation we're having i think this was really fun um and i'm excited to see you in june yeah me too man you're gonna get to visit edinburgh and see scotland in all its summer glory because i mean in the winter it's you know not the same so summer's the time to do it all right thanks brian cheers gang Well, that was a delight. You guys were just, I love it. You were you were like just in a room together. It was like you were just in a room together. I mean, we were in a virtual room, but you know what I mean. We were virtual. Yeah, I understand. Um, no, but it, yeah, it very much also, it brings me a lot of joy that I literally, as I said, was in a meeting with him and we we're just riffing on this stuff. And I was like, this, no, we have to stop. Like, this is what should be on the show. And then that's, they didn't even, I didn't expect us to go into like creating new ways of like building conferences or whatever. But I found that like personally very like intellectually stimulating to think about and made me wonder like, are there ways to turn that on its head, how that stuff works? Um, So it's just fun to like have that be in the show. Yeah. I mean, it's so great. It's like art imitating life, imitating art. Um, I love that you guys were having a meeting and then you were like, mm-hmm. wait, this is perfect for the show. Like, I love that that just mm-hmm. happened. And then, you know, what? what is a conference supposed to look like these days is such an interesting question. Um, and I think the online stuff, personally, it didn't work for me. Like, I attended some things online, and at first it was kind of novel and cool, but, like, in terms of its longevity, I don't feel like that has legs. There was a moment as he was saying that people thought it was going to be everything was that. I think it's going to be, there's some things that are, of course, much better online. Um, and there's more opportunities online. Totally. Like, I'll give you an example. My brother, who's a doctor, uh, was in all these online conferences. And um, he got invited to things that he wouldn't have been invited to probably normally because it's just like size limitations. So they invited more folks. Sure. 
And then because the Q&A was online, he connected with people, made all these connections he couldn't have made. It was like impossible for his career to have made otherwise. And I think that that will keep happening in certain places. But I do think that the way online stuff really works is going to be different. And I don't think we really know exactly what that is yet, is the truth. Yeah. And so I, for one, am like excited for the understanding and the evolution and the innovation to see, you know, how does this stuff end up working out? Like how, what are the different ways that you can run a conference or an event and like do it both in person and online or online in advance or or online after. There's so, so many different yeah. ways to think about it. I liked that model that we were kind of playing around with. That has that has some legs. Not going to lie. Yeah. Has some legs. Well, you love a good book club, so <laughs> I think it's like it was just like hitting you. You're like that's a book club. That's what I love. That is my it's thing. It's a learning party, book club, alchemy, mashup. We love it's it. It's all the things. So good. Um, yes. Also just like appreciate I don't think we've done too many international TTL recordings. Maybe one, maybe one with Mark Moses when he was on a yacht. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's always nice to to see, you know, what's happening in the conference universe across the pond. What's happening in the tech industry, right? Like Scotland. Yeah. Scotland. Yeah. Next next big hub. Next big hub. No, it's it's always nice to hear about what's happening across the pond. <laughs> And on that note, we should get over ourselves and move on. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, As always, if you have ideas, guests you think we should feature, hit us up at ttlpod at wissy.com. You can find me on Twitter at csavage or on LinkedIn. Just look for Chris Savage. Sylvie on Twitter at Give Me The Loot. Of course, Wistia is Wistia. Uh, And you'll find us everywhere. And... um, (laughs) Um, oh, last thing. Uh, if you do really love the show, if you're actually still listening right now, please rate and review us wherever you listen to the show. It makes a big difference in terms of helping other people find the show. And we would really appreciate that. It would be a lovely thing for you to do. All right. Bye, Sylvie. Adieu. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.